Good morning this morning. Welcome to Milestone Church. My name is Chris. I'm the campus pastor here at Milestone McKinney. Uh, and as Alex said, we know that each weekend it's someone's first time. And so if this is your first time with us, I haven't had a chance to meet you. I look forward to meeting you after service. Thank you again for joining us. Well, we're starting a series called Subject to Change. This is the official week one. Uh, you may have been with us the previous weeks. We had a couple of intro weeks kind of setting up the series. Last week, we celebrated all that God is doing in our next gen, uh, and it's amazing to see. And I'm just telling you, we go all out. I love them. They're starting a new series just like we are called Out in the Wild, and some of you, you have children, you're like, yes, my kids relate to that. They are wild, all right? Well, we, we didn't stop there. They actually, I mean, we just, we just go all out for those kids. I walk back there, and I see a gen, I asked Tommy, I said, who's that guy? They had got, there's, they got baby lemurs back there for those kids and milestone kids. You're thinking, I want to go to kids' church, you know, I want to be a part of milestone kids. And we believe in the next generation. Last week, we just simply celebrated what we focus on all year long, and uh, it's really raising up the next generation. We believe in raising up sons and daughters. Why? Because we recognize that as we continue to build and grow, as we raise them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that's what God's word says, here's what happens is our ceiling becomes their floor, and their best days are ahead of them. And so we're excited about celebrating that last week, but we're starting week one right here with subject to change. What does that mean? Why would we choose that title, Subject to Change? Well, I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles, Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. We're going to get there in just a minute. And we're talking about this because really what we're talking about is something that impacts all of us, change. You see, change is guaranteed for every single one of us in our life, change is a guarantee. Now, here's the thing about change. Sometimes change comes to us because we prayed for it. Lord, I pray, just get them, Lord, fix my spouse, you know, and, and God does it. And, or you pray that and all of a sudden God starts working on you because that's probably really what needs to happen, right? You know, you, you start praying, God, I want favor, open door, I'm looking for a new job opportunity, whatever it may be. So sometimes change is a byproduct of prayer, but then other times change is a byproduct of unexpected circumstances, situations and challenges that come our way, but here's the truth and the comfort that we can have, is that in the middle of change, God doesn't change. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. We can trust in Him. We can rely on Him. We can stand and hold on to His truth and His promise. And, and here's the thing, it's because He's a compassionate God who is faithful. He's with us and He's for us. But here's the thing I've learned about myself is that oftentimes we're not as good at change as we think we are. As a whole, probably the general populace is probably not as good at acclimating to change as well as we think we are. And, and we're taking time to do a series like this because we can all learn a little bit more on how to navigate change. Change comes in all sorts of different forms. You, you, yesterday, I, I experienced this. I woke up, it's Saturday, you know, it's the start last week, or this week really, it's the start of the NFL football season. That's a big deal. I mean, I mean, for some of you in here, you're like, 
No, it's not a big deal. But, but it is a big deal. Because some of you, you enjoy your team. But, but we also, you know, we, I enjoy, I, I play something called fantasy football. I don't know if you play fantasy football. We actually have a fantasy football lane with all our pastors on staff, okay? And it, it can get, if you wonder, are pastors competitive? Join our text thread, okay? It's, it's pretty competitive. We actually had to create, we have so many, we have two leagues. We have the Premier League, and then we have the JV League, okay? We had, you know, I, you, you, you can know your pastor's in the Premier League, all right? I plan on taking it. We're going to win it. Milestone McKinney, we're going to dominate, okay? Pastor Jeff did win last year, and he reminds us every single week on the text thread that he was the champion last year. And so you, you've got fantasy football, and maybe you're into football season, or, or you're a college football fan. Started up last week. I'm a Longhorn fan. It was a great start last week. Last night was not real good. I'm wearing black. You know, I'm in mourning, you know. My longhorns look terrible. I'm going to text thread with some, some men at our, at our church here at our campus. And one of them is an avid Arkansas fan, and he was at the game, and he was, he was poking at your pastor. He was sending me pictures and video from the game, and I just said, y'all need to pray for me. i got to preach the gospel, and I ain't feeling it. I need Jesus right now. You know, it's like I woke up yesterday, I got up, you know, I put on my Longhorn shirt all day long. I'm just ready. Hook them. Let's go. But it changed real quick last night after about the first quarter, and it was not good. And you think about change. That may be humorous. Maybe your team won yesterday. Maybe you were like me, and your team lost yesterday. Okay, my Cowboys, they lost on Thursday. Let's hope my fantasy football team does it this week, you know. That may be something that's simple and maybe even insignificant for you. You go, well, what's the point? Well, here's the point. When we experience change, it comes to us in different forms and fashions. And like I said, there's times where you're praying for change and it happens, but there's times where change happens and it, it, it simply came out of nowhere. Or sometimes you're praying for change and it happens, but it looks a lot different than you thought it was going to look. You ever experience that? God, do this, work here, do that. And he begins to do it, but it looks a whole lot different than you thought. And so we're looking through this series at the book of Exodus and this group of people called the Israelites. And this journey that God takes them on as he leads them out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. And God is working and moving. You may think, well, why are we studying this? Why are we looking at this? And, and I've got, you can see on the screen, there's, there's kind of a, a road map, a picture to what it looked like for the people of Israel. They were in Egypt. God leads them, and he's wanting to take them to the promised land. And you, what, what many scholars would say is this journey really should have taken about 11, 11 days from Egypt to the promised land. Now, some scholars say it could have been two weeks to 18 days because the truth is God knew that when they went into the promised land, there was going to be some battles. They were going to have to fight some wars, but they weren't ready for that. And so God was going to always probably lead them through the wilderness. But the truth was they may have had to walk through the wilderness, but they didn't have to wander. Eleven days didn't have to turn into 40 years. Here's the significant truth about that is that there were 2.5 million people that left Egypt. But of the original 2.5 million people, only two of the original 2.5 million entered the promised land. Why? 
Well, there was a lot of change, and they, the Bible says, how did this even transpire? Well, they had been in slavery, and they're crying out to their God, God, help us. It says that God heard their cry. He had mercy on them, and so he sends a man named Moses to lead them from Egypt to the promised land. And so we're, they're in the middle of this season, but as they're walking through the wilderness, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you walk through challenging times, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of struggle a little bit of wrestle. There's a little bit of, they started complaining and grumbling. And, and the truth is, we relate to that more than we realize. See, the reason that they, God wanted to lead them through the wilderness was not just preparation for what they were going to do and what they were going to experience when they got into the promised land. It was also because as God was leading them out of Egypt, he was wanting to get a little bit of Egypt out of them. There was a little bit of, of, of what they had lived in and what they had been a part of that had impacted them more than they realized. And the truth is, we don't recognize that in our own life until the pressure's on. You see, when the pressure's on, what's inside is really what's going to come out. And that's what began to happen. They're grumbling and they're complaining. God is being compassionate and he's being patient. And that's what happens for many of us when change comes. We don't really embrace change Because the pain of change still is greater in our minds than the pain of where we're currently living. And until you recognize that the pain of where you're currently living and what God is wanting to do and change in your life, while there's going to be some struggle, there's going to be some challenges, there may be a walking through the wilderness, you don't have to wander in it. You don't have to wallow in it. You don't have to sit and stay where you're at. God has something greater on the other side. Now, you may say, well, this is an Old Testament story. Pastor Chris, how does this really apply to today? Well, you have to remember the Old Testament is a type and shadow of the New Testament. I'm going to show you that in just a little bit of what that looks like and why this is significant. But a few weeks ago, I shared with you how... One of the writers in the New Testament was referencing this story, and I'm summarizing here. He's saying, listen, why do we have this story? We have this story because it's not so much about the 11 days to 40 years. It's not so much about the 2.5 million people to two people. What I want you to get is there is a compassionate God who loves you, who has a plan and purpose for you, who is with you and for you, who hears your cry and wants to answer you in the middle of your challenge, in the middle of change, in the middle of the thing that you're walking through. He wants to meet you, and he's with you, and he's for you. And when you look at this story, this story is referenced all through throughout the word of God. Multiple times throughout God's word, this story is referenced. In fact, we'll look at the words of the prophet Nehemiah. Nehemiah chapter 9 verse 19 says, because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them. On their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You see, this was a supernatural way that God was lovingly giving them direction. This story of him leading them out of slavery, leading them out of Egypt to the promised land. He's saying there was a cloud by day and a fire by night. Now you may go, man, that sounds a little weird. 
what are we talking about? We're talking about a cloud. I mean, I, it reminds me. There was one time I was, I was preaching. I was right here on this platform. I'm sharing. I don't even remember. I literally happened to be talking about an illustration about hell. And all of a sudden, the fogger starts going off. And it's like, you know, fog's going. I just, I just rolled with it. I was like, you know, you know, hell is real. And God, you know, he loves you. And, you know, I don't even remember what I said. But I just rolled with it. And then after, sir, they figured out, Jonathan, I knew something was wrong when, when uh, you know, your lead for production comes down from his, you know, he's at the eagle's nest up there. He's like a control center up there. It's like flying a ship. You know, he comes down and he just quietly just walks up here, just comes up here. He turns that thing off. Something was going haywire with it. I don't know what it was. You thinking, Pest Chris, is that what you're talking about? Like we got a little fogger. We got a haze machine that follows around. Is that what the Israelites had? No, no, no. I, I want to give you an understanding of, of really what was happening here. But you can see in God's word, he's saying, listen, there is this cloud. There is this, this aspect of his presence that comes. Now, some of you, you come from a background. And it's like, wow, a cloud, the presence of God. That's what we want. And, and some of you know people like that. That the pursuit is always about this external expression of God's presence. Cloud or gold dust or all these things. I, I want to help you with that just a little bit. It's not so much about the cloud. It's about God's presence being with you and for you. I, in fact, I want to change the illustration a little bit. Rather than just the cloud per se, think of it this way. Think of it like a nightlight. Maybe you have little ones. I have little ones. It's like, man, I, I, I need a nightlight on. Let me turn the nightlight on. Well, here's the thing. All of a sudden, you turn the nightlight on, and there's a measure of, of comfort that comes to them, right? Everything that was there is still there. Nothing actually changed. The only difference was you added a little bit of light and all of a sudden there was a comfort. You see, nothing changed for the Israelites. They were walking and being led from Egypt into the promised land. And so what God did is it was like he gave a little bit of, he gave a little night light. He gave a cloud by day and fire by night. That's what it's about. Sometimes we can, we can overemphasize this aspect of the cloud. What does that mean? Now I'm going to use the cloud. But I'm going to use the cloud and reference the cloud as an expression or understanding of something far greater than this external cloud. It represents so much more. But here's what begins to happen. You see, what God was doing is you saying, listen, I didn't abandon you. I am with you. I am for you. You are overwhelmed. You're in the wilderness. You're grumbling. You're complaining. You're worried. But in his great compassion, he said, hold on. I'm going to make a way for you to know that I am here. That's what the cloud represents. You're overwhelmed. You're fearful. But I'm going to make a way. I want you to know I'm here for you. I'm with you. I will not abandon you. I will not fail you. I am for you. But when change begins to happen, we all kind of default to some general human tendencies. We all do it. We, we, we begin to all of a sudden when those things begin to happen, we, we, we forget and we don't go, hey, I'm going to turn to God. We begin to turn to some general human tendencies. Here's what I've found is for many of us when change happens, the, typically the first tendency, human tendency that we have is maybe you're a fixer. Any fixers in here? It's like change begins to happen. You assess the situation. How am I going to fix it? How am I going to control it? Let me just take. And some of you, that's a little bit of how God wired you. So it's not a bad thing. But what happens is rather than looking to God, we look to see how can I take control and fix it? How do I control the situation? 
maybe you're not a fixer. Maybe you're a processor. You're like, hold on, give me just a minute. I need to walk away. I need to think about this. I need to, I need to understand what this looks like. And here's what I've learned about people who process. If you process, you tend to come back with one of two responses. One, you either come back after you've processed and now you're a fixer. Okay, I figured it out. I, I took a minute. Here's what we're going to do. A, B, C, D, you go here, you go here. Or you come back and you're the third response, which is you're an avoider. If I just don't look at it, you know, maybe it's not there. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm okay, you know, I'll pretend. So you avoid. You avoid. Some of you, you don't just avoid you don't just process, you don't just fix. Maybe some of us, you begin to complain. You're looking for someone to blame. You're looking for the cause of your pain. Whose fault is this? Why did this happen? Who can I blame? Who do I need to blame? Who do I point the finger at? And what begins to happen is who you're going, who do I complain to? And who do I complain about? And how do I get out of this situation? Here's what I know. We've all done it. I've done it. I've, I, we have all done it. And when we look at this story that we're going to look at in Exodus 13, the truth is, is all of these responses are present in the story of the Israelites being led from Egypt into the promised land. But here's what begins to happen. When we lean into our own I love what Katie and the team, those last couple songs, and I know we sang a new song, and it's a milestone original, but even just those last two songs, at the end of the day, if I were to summarize those two Songs, what, what was the heart of both those songs? Jesus did it. Our victory is in him. But I've got a real bad human flaw, tendency, propensity. I'm just being transparent. I'm going to do it in my own strength. I, I'm just going to make it happen. I, I, I've been doing it. Ministry. I've been doing this since I'm 19 years old. I'm 42. Or am I 43? How old am I, baby? I don't know how old I am. See, that's how you know when you get old. I'm over 40. I've been doing this for over 20 years. You know what? I, can, I, I got lots of experience. And it's amazing how we can lend to our own human strength and tendencies. When at the end of the day, Jesus is bringing us back to God is bringing us back to him. That's what he wants. He's drawing us back to him. And what I love about God is that he doesn't draw us back by going, here's a list of things you need to do to get to me. No, he comes to us. He comes to us. But when we begin to respond out of our own human tendencies, here's what begins to happen. We all end up with this question. Where's God? Where, where's God? And ultimately, when we do reach that point of complaining, you want to know who we begin to blame? God. It just looks different. Well, they didn't call me. They didn't check on me. I went through this. I went through that. Why did this happen? Maybe if I had. And we, it's human nature. Scientifically, Annie Duke, she's a, a scholar, and actually she's a, a poker champion. She wrote a book, a leadership book called Thinking in Bets. And she essentially said this. She said, the human tendency is that if a bad result happens, it's the result of a bad decision. That isn't always the case. There are times you make the right decision, but something difficult or challenging just doesn't work out the way you wanted it to. But we naturally gravitate that way. And we look and go, where is God? Where is God? And that is exactly where the Israelites were. As we look at Exodus chapter 13. It had taken 10 plagues, and now Pharaoh has finally said, okay, I'm going to let you go. Moses is getting ready. He's leading 2.5 million people 
I, I said this before. You think about summer vacation and the family trips you took, and you're like, I love it. We had memories, but boy, man, that was tough. You're in a car. You got little ones. It's like, it's crazy, you know. Imagine 2.5 million of them. Go on a family trip with 2.5 men. I mean, you want to talk. It's hot. Are we there yet? Are we there? Multiplied over and over, okay? Moses is leading them out. And yet, in the midst of all this, God is with them. He's for them, and he's guiding them. And here's what happens. Exodus chapter 13, verse 21. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them. Who, who went ahead of them? The Lord. He's with them. He's for them. He didn't abandon them. He did not fail them. He's there to do what? To guide them on their way. And by night, he came in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. In front of the people. You see... God was with them. He was guiding them, but he was also positioned in the proper place in front of them. He was leading them in a way. Now, the cloud is what he did. The fire is what he did. But why did he do these things? He did them because it says, as you read in Deuteronomy later on, Deuteronomy 131, it says that God did this as though in, in symbolically, this is the picture he gives. It's like a father carrying their child. He led them and guided them in this way because it was like a father leading his child. Why? Because he loves us. In the middle of your change, in the middle of your challenge, in the middle of your transition, he's not absent. He's not far. He's not a distant God who is far off. He is with you and he is for you. Now you look and you go, okay, well, where is God in all of this? Why do we need to study these things? Why do we need to understand this? Help me, Pastor Chris. That's a cool little Old Testament story. Translate. Help me understand why and how does this apply to today? Well, when you think about it and you're looking, where is God? Remember, Old Testament, type and shadow of the New Testament. So where was God? Well, it started out, we just read right here. He's here, he's there, and he's in the form of a cloud and fire. That's where it's. He's leading them. He's guiding them, right? And then as they continue to journey before they go into the promised land, he now, it says that the cloud resided in something they built called a tabernacle. So now he's residing. God's presence is with them. And everywhere they go, as they journey along, they stop, they set up camp, they put up this tabernacle. It's like a portable building, basically. And God's presence resides in the tabernacle. Fast forward, they get into the New Testament, or they get into the Promised Land. Uh, David's son Solomon, David accumulates all the things. Solomon builds a building called the Temple. So now you have the Temple, and you have the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant is where God's presence resides. So here we are, Old Testament. Here's where God's presence is all along the way. You're wondering, where is God? Where is God? Where is God? Here's where He's at, but something changes. Because you may think, well, that's what I want. See, because I, I was having lunch, actually, with a couple of individuals this past week. They, they wanted to meet, and they're asking about just business decisions and things like that, seeking prayer and wisdom and counsel. We're talking through some things. And they did what many of us do. Maybe you don't use this actual language, but you think this way. You're looking. They're, they're like, I was just look. I got up this morning, and, and this happened. I think maybe that's a sign. Should I do this? And then this happened. I think maybe that's a sign. Should I? You may be that way as well. You're looking around. 
around going, what's the sign? Now, your heart is you just want to do what God wants you to do. That really is your motivation. But you're looking for a sign. You're looking for a cloud, a fire, a tabernacle, an ark, a tent. You could be looking for a piece of furniture, dust falling, uh, gold somewhere, fire, cloud, whatever it is. But here's what happens. This is what I love. Is that God said, no, no, no. I'm going to transcend all of that. I'm going to give a better way. And he sends Jesus. He sends Jesus. So you don't have to have a cloud. You don't have to have a, a fire or a piece of furniture, a sign. He gave the ultimate sign. He sent his son to come, God incarnate, who lived on earth and walked. He came as one of us. And he lives this life for 33 years, and he dies on the cross for you and for me, and he changes everything. We just sang about it. All these sacrifices and all this, this work that we have to do to go to do our best to try and get to God, God said, no, 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 I'm coming to you. And what begins to happen is now we have the opportunity because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now Jesus comes to live inside of us and with us. God's presence is now with us and in us. He is with us. That is the power of what is happening here. And so all of this, this story, starting all the way back in the Old Testament with God leading the people out of Egypt, it all comes down to this simple truth where he's coming and solidifying this promise. When you think of Jesus being in, in Matthew 17 on, on the uh, Mount of Transfiguration, he's there and, and a cloud again comes. Jesus is there. Moses shows up. Elijah shows up. Their presence is there. The cloud comes, and God's voice actually says, this is my son. Listen to him. Well, then you fast forward. Matthew 28, verse 20. It actually says, Jesus, his last words that he speaks to us, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He is always with us. He doesn't leave us. This example of a cloud, it's simply God's presence being with us, that he's for us, that he guides us, that he sees us. You see, when you're in the midst of change, you can feel like you're all alone and there's no way out. You ever felt that way? I'm in the middle of change. I'm all, I'm all by myself. I'm the only one, only one experiencing it. There's no way out, but here's the truth. The truth is God never leaves us or abandons us. He never leaves us without a way out if we're willing to follow. If you're willing to follow, he'll lead you and guide you. You see, when change comes, you can do one of two things. You can either follow the crowd or you can follow the cloud. God's presence going, hey, hey, I, I'm going to lead you. I'll position me in front of you and you can follow. I think of my own life. I think of how, I, and I've shared with you before, and, and, and you have, have encouraged me in it. I tell you, I'm like, I'm not smart enough to figure all these things out. And plan it out and schedule it out. You're like, yeah, you're right, Pastor Christian. We know you're not smart enough. I can't strategize my way into where I'm at in life. I'm not that good. I'm not that smart. Now, I like to know things. I like to plan. I like to have a good game plan. But can I tell you, I wasn't smart enough to strategize my way into my path crossing with that beautiful little Cajun queen over there on the end and marrying Wendy who is the greatest gift next to Jesus that God ever gave me. I couldn't strategize my way in ending up in Lafayette, Louisiana, and being there for 13 years, and along the way, building a relationship with Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor, and many of our team that's over in Keller. 
that then would result in five years ago ending up moving back to Texas and being in Keller, which then ended up in two years ago, us coming out here to be in McKinney. I couldn't figure that out. Can I tell you how that happened? I just followed the cloud. I just said, God, I want to be obedient. I want to be a part of what you're doing. Here's my life. I want to t- I- I'm putting you in front. I'm going to follow your lead. You're going to lead me and guide me. Was it hard? Was it challenging? Oh, yeah. I'm not going to give you the laundry list of things that it was like along the way because it's irrelevant. Change the topics, change the the story, change the people. You have your challenges as well. But every step of the way, God is saying, will you just simply follow me? What's God saying? Why is he telling us all this? What is the point of this story and what is it that God is really wanting to do? Why does God want us to follow the cloud? When you're looking in the context of this story and how he showed up for the people of Israel as he led them in the promised land, as they're navigating change. Well, here's the first thing. God never leaves us without direction, but we must want him more than his direction. That's hard. I had this thought. I heard this question. I've been thinking a lot about it. Kind of, I don't get real contemplative, but sometimes, you know, I just kind of, man. And you think about if God showed up and said, you can either have more of me, more of my presence in your life, or I'll answer your top three prayer requests, which would you want? Think about that question. You see, here's why it's hard for us to answer that. Because our first thought is, I think about the things I need. But what we fail to realize is the direction and the things that we need is a byproduct of relationship, not a byproduct of him dispensing things to us. But that's how we translate. I, I, I want, and so you, some of you, I remember hearing an old preacher say this, are your eyes more fixed on God's hands and what he can give you, or Jesus' hands and what he can give you, or Jesus' eyes and the relationship that he wants with you? You see, we, we come and he wants, make no mistake, he wants to give you direction, but more than anything else, him coming as a cloud was a relational connect. You think about being, maybe you're in here and you're, you're directionally challenged, okay? Wendy is essentially perfect, okay? Except this one area when it comes to directions. She's slightly directionally challenged. Like, I can, like there are times where I can go one place, I pretty much have a good understanding of where I am with, uh, on planet Earth, okay? And like how I need to get from one place to the next, okay? And I can go somewhere probably typically about one or two times and I'll, I'll remember how to get there. In other countries, in other places, we'll go play. And Wendy's like, how do you remember this? I'm like, I just, I, that's how I am. Wendy could drive someplace, the same place every single time. And if it's outside of like her radius of like 10 miles, it's like, it's, she gone. She gone. I mean, and, but that's it. I mean, that's it. That's the, only, that's the only thing. That's the only shortcoming. But you know what? It's okay. It's okay right up until she's needing to give me directions and I'm driving. And I'm like, which way? How do I go? You know? But we think, okay, God, give me direction. But here's the thing. It's not about God showing up and let me give you a map. Some of you remember those. I remember those days. You remember Google Maps? You actually printed it out. You know, you didn't have a voice that, like, told you where to go and where to turn. You printed it out. You're having to read it along the way. We used to take travel trips when we led teams. And it was, like, part of the preparation for the trip was, like, get the maps and the packet to get, you know. You know, it's more than getting a list of maps, 
and how to get to where you're at. God is saying, listen, I want to, I want to show you where you're at on this journey. I want to show you where I'm at on this journey. And I want to show you where you and I are at on this journey and how I want to walk with you through it. You see, it's more than just simply getting the answer to the direction you want to go. It's about a depth of relationship that he wants to have with you. It's relational. It's relational. Here's why else he wants us to follow the cloud. Because we need to recognize that when we get stuck, we get stuck when we stop following him. You may feel stuck. God feels a million miles away. Here's my question to you. When did you stop following? Gosh, that's, that's I mean, come on, Pastor. I mean, you're like, are you a, a, accusing me? Are you like judging? No, no, no. We all, that, when we feel stuck, it's because we stopped following. It's very simple. Just follow me. Now, I'm not saying it's easy. Because, see, when God begins to come and ask you to follow him, he'll always put his finger on areas of your life. That's how you know he's asking you to follow. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about how your finances. And he puts his finger on how you're stewarding the resources that he's given you. How's your marriage and your relationship and how you're interacting? How's, how is he begins to push on your relationship with your, hey, when you wanted to wring your teenager's neck, you chose to, hold on, let's, let's have a conversation. In your relationships, you see, he begins to push on areas of our life. Why? Because he wants to help us grow. But I know that in my life, when he's put his finger on an area that I'm not willing to follow, I tend to stop. And when I tend to stop, you know what is inevitable for me to begin to feel? Stuck. You see, when we begin to experience that, what happens is it's a byproduct. We are stuck from the last point we said no. Jesus, you can have everything. Oh, but not that. No, 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 no. I, I, I want that. I need that time. I need that money. I need that reason. Well, no, no, no. I know you're asking me to do this in my interaction in pursuing oneness with my spouse. But, I mean, I'd rather be right. I'd rather defend. I know my husband is trying to, to, to come and make things right in, in, in areas that maybe he was a little harsh. And, but but I, I just can't seem to, 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 to embrace that. Well, you know, I don't want to be too hard on my child. Or I don't want to limit them from this thing or that. And I want to make sure they have everything that they need to win and succeed in life. And what is it that he's pushing on? You see, there's barriers to following the cloud. There's times where we begin to fail to realize that he just isn't distributing direction. He's distributing himself, and he's wanting a relationship. But when that happens, he's going to press on areas of our life. But there's a couple of things that will keep us from following. First is intellectual pride. We have access to more information than ever before. And so we think because we have access to it that we know about it. And then we think because we know about it that we are an expert in it. But we're not. We don't have it all figured out. We all have blind spots. And we need other people to help us see what we don't know. But the minute we come to the place of feeling like we have it all figured out and we know it is inevitable, we will begin to isolate ourselves and nobody can speak to us. So intellectual pride keeps us from that pain. Pain, we become, I'm not minimizing the magnitude of pain or the pain that was inflicted upon you. But what begins to happen is when pain comes in, we become self-absorbed about that pain and we turn it towards God. He is the origin of that pain. He caused it. If he was a good God, why would he fill in the blank? 
Pain can keep us from following God because it leads to a lack of trust. Cares of the world. You get busy with so many things and we're so busy doing all these other things that we forget to go, no, no, no. At the end of the day, the most important thing is I want to follow. I want to I follow him. Fear. Can I tell you? Fear. Well, I mean, it's scary to follow Jesus in the things that he asks of you. It's scary. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Someone hurt me. Someone wounded me. It's contrary to common sense. When someone has wronged us, to forgive them. But if you're going to keep following the cloud, you have to forgive. you got to forgive. could be insecurity. We become self-focused and overwhelmed. But what I love about Jesus is this. Jesus came, and when he called the disciples, he, he said this phrase that just transcended everything. He just said, follow me. Follow me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Follow you? What, like, where are we going? Follow me. Like, how long are we going to be gone? Follow me. Well, like, what are we going to be doing? Follow me. You're like, well, uh, can we do like a SWOT analysis of this? And can we figure out what are the strengths and weakness, opportunities and threats within this thing? What do we need to do here? How do we maximize it? What do we? Well, hold on. No, 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 no. Tell me. There's no, no, no. Follow me. Follow me. You see, some of you in here, Jesus is saying, I want you to follow me. In fact, we found that as a church, this is so significant. Helping people understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. We're our team, we had a team. They were there with Pastor Jeff. They're actually in Israel. They wrote a book. Pastor Jeff wrote a book with our team called Closer. And in fact, if you are saying, I want to know how to follow him. The disciples had to figure it out. They didn't know. In fact, when you read the book, chapter 1 is all about what does it mean to actually follow me. If you want to know, we have a copy for you. We'll give you a copy of this book on your way out. Or you can text this. You can text closer to this number right here. We'll mail you a copy. Why do we believe in that? Because we as a church believe in the importance of helping you understand what it looks like to follow Jesus. Because when you don't continue to follow, you will be stuck. But God has more than that for you. You see, God doesn't leave us without the opportunity to follow. He's always drawing us. But the, the issue is not the opportunity to follow. The issue is, do we want to follow? Do we want to follow? Do we want to get unstuck? And then here's the third thing. Here's the third thing that God is doing. He's showing and, 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 and teaching us in this is, that God doesn't reveal the whole journey. The cloud reveals one step at a time. You see, this is who God is. He just reveals the next step. People can say, well, if God would, if, if he was a good God, then why would I have these challenges? Why would I go through these things? Challenges come to everybody. We all have them. They're difficult. They're painful. We all have problems, but here's the difference. When you keep following, when you recognize God and his presence in your life, when you see how he sent his son Jesus, that you can live in victory and you're living life, not trying to accumulate victory, but living life from victory. When you recognize he did everything he can to come to you, you don't have to live this perfect life or do these particular things to get to him. What begins to happen is you recognize all I have to do is continue to follow. All I have to do is recognize that he is with me and he is for me. When those challenges come, how do you respond? How, how do you respond when, when, when you're going, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to follow the cloud in my marriage. But, but what if he doesn't respond? Keep following. 
with my teenager. I'm believing for you to do a work in my teenager's life. We'll keep following the clock. I feel like this is how I need to have, man, this, I'm going to have to have a hard conversation with my teenager, with my spouse, with a loved one, with a family member. Just keep following the cloud. Keep, lead, keep following his leading and his direction. You see, it basically comes down to that, what is your next step? He's asking you, what's your next step? He's calling you into a next step. He's drawing you closer. He wants that relationship with you. We recognize as a church that we play a part in, in, in doing our best to make that simple and principle, and simple it practically and principally in equipping and empowering you. It's just like I told you, I wasn't smart enough to end up on this platform. I just simply said, I just want to follow the cloud. Maybe for you, following the cloud is, is taking your next step in growth track, going to 101. And you may go, why do you always talk about it? It's not about a class. It's about getting connected. It's about building relationship and development. I shared the story of G a couple of weeks back, how he came and he just kept taking steps. And at 101, he gave his life to Jesus. Maybe it's, it's and we have grow track coming up next weekend. Sign up for it. Come. Be a part. Yes, you're going to find out and hear from me a little bit more about the vision of who we are. But more, more importantly, you're going to build a relationship and get connected. Or maybe it's 301. And being a part of a 301 small group, and, and which starts up the following Monday. And you go, man, is it, is it just another? No, 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 no. We're saying maybe you follow the cloud to 301. I think about there's an individual. He shared this story with me. He said, Pastor Chris, he said, the thing that was so significant for me is I came to 301. I thought it was just, you know, just another class, another step to take. He has a military background, so he's all about give me the steps, and I'll do the steps and do it. And he said, what I found out along the way is this was the most impactful thing. And here's what's amazing. Now, he's, he goes around, he's like, you need to go to growth track. You need to go to growth track. You all know why? Because he's speaking from a point of having experienced it himself. Or maybe you need to follow the cloud to a small group. I think about a couple. They, they, they tell the story I shared with, the, with you before. I, I try and come on, come to Smoggy. And they, they both are very successful in their profession and they're busy. And so they finally, this last uh, uh, session of small group that we had, they went. And they said they went up to the door. They rang the doorbell. And the doorbell, they didn't realize, was broken. It didn't. And, and no one answered. They just kind of looked at each other like, well, we tried, and they, they just they were about to walk off. And then the door opened, they came, and they shared with me. They said one of the greatest things that we've experienced is we looked forward to going to small group. And look, they're busy, very busy. And it impacted them so much that now they're, they have family members are going, hey, that thing that they weren't, we want to be a part of that. When those small groups start up, because we want that. Why? What were they doing? They were just simply following the cloud. God, you guide me. Here's the beauty of that. It takes all the pressure of you trying to figure it out and control it. You just follow his lead. and He will lead you into promises greater than you can ever imagine.